Welcome to Food is Not a Four-Letter Word, the podcast where you ditch the diet drama, banish body shame, and reclaim your life, all while creating a body you love. When it comes to body drama, your host, Carmela Romalia, has been there, done that, has the t-shirt, and wrote the books. And now, here's Carmela. Hello, my friends. It is me, Carmela, from Happy Calories Don't Count, and we are back with episode three of Food is Not a Four-Letter Word, the podcast. So, um, yeah, this whole podcast thing is is really new to me, and I am probably just going to keep repeating myself over and over again in these first few episodes at least. Uh, if you want something in a logical, linear way go check out the books. Um, this podcast is named for my book, Food is Not a Four-Letter Word. And then I also have a book called Happy Calories Don't Count, Neither Does Unhappy Exercise. And so when I write, uh, I write like I speak. And that is one of the the best compliments. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an often often heard compliment uh, from my readers. Oh my goodness, you write like you speak. It's like we're just hanging out having coffee. And so in this podcast, you know, I'm just going to chit chat with you like we're hanging out having coffee. So the intention is the same. But in a book format, there is editing, <laughs> right? So so I am thinking of structure. I am thinking of what information comes first, second, third type of thing. And as I've mentioned in the other two episodes, when you are really trying to heal and transform all of the pain, shame, and drama you have around your body and your weight, um, this is, it's not just a personal challenge. It is an emotional, spiritual, psychological, physical challenge within yourself and within a culture, within a framework, within a context of friends and families. You are not an island. You are part of a bigger organism that is a complex system. So there are a lot of nuances and there there are a lot of moving pieces and parts and everything is connected to everything else. And when I am doing these podcast episodes, I'll get an idea or I'll, I'll think of a spunky title or something and say, oh, well, I could talk about that. Well, let me just sit down with the microphone, get the dog quiet and, and let's just have a conversation about something. And as conversations go, I will likely go down a tangent, right? Because everything's connected to everything else. And I am probably going to touch on various different types of topics within an episode that's called something else. And so if you're one of those logical linear brains and you need something fed to you, A, B, C, D, um, please still listen to the podcasts, but this is not the format where you're likely to get that. Um, when I was first, uh, when I was first healing, when I had first gotten to the space of, okay, life is not working. You know, life, life really, really sucks. And I really need some help. Uh, I was in grad school. I was alone. And I had read Marianne Williamson's A Return to Love. And I really resonated with that book because it was the first time that I had read a book that was not fiction and was not a school textbook. 
So it was it was my first four-way foray into personal development or any of those kinds of things. And her writing style really struck me. I felt like she was just talking, speaking to me. And a lot of what she was speaking about, you know, lack of self-esteem, you know, all all that inner ushy-gushy stuff, you know, it really resonated. And what I did is back in the day, back in the time, when she would do her lecture circuit, the, the publisher would record her lectures and then sell them as audio cassettes. And so I just, I had this library of Marianne Williamson lectures that I would just listen to over and over and over again in my car and, you know, just hope that through osmosis, some of those principles and some of that healing would just happen just by me putting in the time and just being open to what she was saying. And so that is the intention of these podcasts. The the intention of the podcast is not to take you from point A to point B, C, D, E in a logical linear fashion. There are plenty of other ways to get the information in that specific manner if that's the manner in which you learn. The intentions of these podcasts are for me to hit upon an idea and wax philosophical about that within the context of the Happy Calories Don't Count framework through the lens of the Happy Calories perspective uh, and and to take the time in an episodic podcast sort of way to help you fundamentally make that shift, make that shift out of diet drama land into a place of freedom, grace, and ease where you feel good in your body and you feel good about your body and you are living your best life, feeling your best self. And so that's just, I'm hoping that just like I mainlined those tapes over and over again in a podcast format, you can do the same. So today I figured that I would still, there's still some basic fundamental things we need to address. So in the first couple of episodes, I really talked about the diet and exercise model a lot. And of course, that is the big bugaboo. That's the nemesis. You know, that's the thing we have to get out of and how how insidious it is and how we don't even realize that we're operating from that mindset. And so I want to take today's episode to um, talk about some other core fundamental things that hopefully will, if not complete the picture, give you a, a, a better understanding of what Happy Calories is about and, and how it's so radically different and, and how you can actually, you know, I, I, don't even, I don't even really know the words, so, so I'm just going to get started. All right. So my, my background my history with all of this is, you know, it, it is an eating disorder background. I survived the eating disorder from hell. I was hospitalized for anorexia at 17. Um, I was 80 pounds. It was awful. Uh, by the time I was in, by the time I was in grad school, you know, by the time I was 25, I'd been hospitalized four more times. At 30, I was 200 pounds and suicidal. And, you know, I hit bottom. Life really sucked. And so one of the things that I think is really important that I see out there that just really sticks in my craw and I just want to pipe up and say something, but again, 
my comments will will either fall on deaf ears or you, people won't be able to understand what I'm saying because they only make sense if you're doing these fundamental paradigm shifts. And a lot of what I see out there are like these, for lack of a better word, you know, like culture wars, like that there's diet culture, this diet culture, and there's also this recovery culture type of thing um, going on out there. And, and quite frankly, it can be toxic. We can have this toxic recovery culture because they're blaming diet culture. Um, and and diet culture was like, I remember the first time I heard that word. I'm like, what? Um, I was I was talking to some millennial. Sorry, I'm an Xer. <laughs> I, I'm one of I'm one of the older generations now, and it, and it's it is kind of fun to see to see younger generations come up and have the, have their own their own thing or their own way of of looking at the world and and their own language speak. And so someone was trying to describe me and what I what I do to somebody else, and. In, in that little, I guess you would call it an elevator pitch or description or, or whatever it is, she had used the, word, the term diet culture. And that was the first time I'd heard it. And she said something about how, like, she, she Carmela is a, a coach and, and she, she helps women break free of diet culture. And, and I thought, oh, well, wow, that's, that's, an, that's an interesting word. Okay, well, I, I, I guess that works. Um, and I only recently actually Googled uh, what what diet culture actually means um, because I think I think different people are using it in different ways, uh, just like a lot of things. And I think it's a lot. I think it can be really confusing, and and I think there are a lot of things that aren't really helping anything. So before before we get into diet culture, I, I need to get into recovery culture. And so this is this is where my story, uh, one of the few times, it actually is relevant, okay? Because remember, I've lived I've lived this stuff. So a lot of people, just the pop psychology, you know, social, you know, Oprah, Shape Magazine, Cosmo, you know, level, surface level, um, headline soundbite type of thing. At that level of cultural pop psychology, people tend to think of eating disorders as something that is about the food. Um, someone just really wants to be skinny and they're taking it to an extreme or somebody thinks they ate too much and so then they're going to purge um, and it doesn't really make sense to them. And or or someone is just upset and they can't face their feelings. And so they're just going to go eat their feelings in ice cream. You know, there there's that level. Then there is the next level down where people put a little bit more thought to it, where it's not really about the food. It's about these other these other issues going on underneath these personal development issues that need to be addressed and the person is using food or, or lack of food or whatever it is as a coping mechanism as a maladaptive coping mechanism to to deal with these issues that otherwise they don't deal with and so a lot of people at this general type of pop psychology level 
will think of food issues in the same basic, and again, these are huge generalizations, same general basic type of category as something like drug addiction or alcohol addiction. Um, in the sense that, you know, it's, it's, if we could just get you clean, you're, you're drinking or you're doing drugs, you fell into the wrong crowd, and then, you know, you're feeling bad about yourself or you're in pain for whatever reason, and then you start doing drugs, and then you get into the drug lifestyle, and then the drug is an addictive substance and you just can't get rid of it, so we, we need to get you clean and sober. Same thing with alcohol, you know, for whatever. You start drinking for fun or drinking to cope, and then pretty soon, you know, that gets out of control, and then it's, it's destroying your life, basically. So we need to get you help. And eating disorders fall into that general type of category. And so what people generally will think that, you know, it's this deeper underlying issue and that the food, just like the drugs or alcohol, is this maladaptive coping mechanism. And if we could just get the people the skills and tools they need to be able to deal with life on life's terms, then they wouldn't need that maladaptive coping mechanism and they'd be healed. So the treatment for all of these types of, of addictions or pathologies or whatever you want to call them are generally basically the same, basically the same kind of idea. So what's going to happen is you take your person and you put them into rehab. You put them in a treatment center. And there in that treatment center, they cannot engage in that maladaptive behavior. You know, so you dry out the drunk, you get the, the person high, you know, you get them clean, you get them sober. And the person in the eating disorder ward, ward you know, you, you make it so that the person cannot engage in the maladaptive behavior. You know, then they're, they got their raw nerves and they're right there dealing with life just as it is. Then while they do not have that coping device, they're sent to therapy. So that's where hopefully you can address and heal, explore and heal, hopefully, some of these core underlying issues, whatever they may be, the childhood trauma, the dysfunctional family of origin, yada, da, 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 whatever it is. And then the person, this is, again, it's a big generalization, but this is just like the, the logic of what's happening. Then the person is given this support network and all of these resources so that hopefully what has happened through this process has been a transformation where this person has been, um, they, they've been denied this coping mechanism, so they can't go do that. So instead, they have to face life and they're given skills and tools and a support network to help them deal with life so that hopefully and theoretically, they don't need that coping mechanism anymore, right? They, they can go on and they can leave treatment and then just go be a functional, happy human being. That's the basic idea. That's the basic psychology for all of this stuff. Well, there are two really, really, really big problems with treating eating disorders in the same general way that you would treat something like alcoholism and drug addiction. And if I give you half a beat, you know, you'll be able to figure it out in two seconds, right? You can't not eat. You have to deal with the food. So, you know, like with drug addiction, 
you can go on and live a happy, fully functional, vibrant, engaged, beautiful life without touching another drug again. Same thing with alcoholism. You can have the most fabulous life in your entire life and not touch another drop of alcohol. But you can't not eat. You have to deal with the food. And so from a drug and alcohol addiction perspective, it would be like you you have to teach someone how to use drugs and alcohol in the right way. And of course, we would see that as ridiculous. Like there's there's no way. Like if someone is a drug addict or someone's an alcoholic, we're not going to take them and try to teach them the right way to use drugs or alcohol. I mean, that's ridiculous, right? But that's exactly what they do with food. How do and I don't, I don't know who you are as listeners, what your background may be. Some of you may know this. Do you know what eating disorder treatment centers do to keep their patients from doing that thing, from engaging in that maladaptive behavior while that person is in treatment? They put you on a diet. Yeah, kind of crazy, right? It's that thing where they are trying to teach you how to be good with being on a diet, which is the thing that is the problem. It's the maladaptive coping mechanism in the first place. So it's that, it's that thing like trying, trying to teach an alcoholic how to just do alcohol right, trying to have a drug addict just do drugs right. You know? And so what happens is if you're anorexic, they put you on a high calorie diet, which of course, I mean, you're anorexic, you're starving, you need the food. But but what essentially what they're doing is they're making it about the food. They put you on this diet. If you are someone who has struggled with bulimia or compulsive overeating or binge eating disorder or whatever it is that they're calling it these days, what they do is, you know, they put you on a structured meal plan. So they change the fancy words around, but at the end of the day, it's still a diet. So it doesn't really matter how much personal growth, therapy, spiritual development, um, how emotionally sophisticated you are, any of that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, even the medical community is telling you that if you just eat the right things, you know, if you heal all of those issues, whatever it is, well, then you'll be inspired to eat the right things at the right time and do the right kinds of exercise at the right time. And, and it's about the diet and the exercise, and then you'll be healthy. That, that's what the goal is, to be healthy. But nobody ever gets into the muck. Like even, in, and that's one of the reasons that it is so hard to heal from an eating disorder. That's one of the reasons why I was in treatment four times. That's one of the reasons why there's this eating eating disorder recovery culture about how like, oh, it's so hard and we need all this support and and you go girl and I'm just going to be there for you. And again, I told you in this first episode, I am going to get snarky. I am going to flat out get snarky. And when I am snarky, I am never snarky to you. You got to know that. Believe me, sister, I have been there. 
I, I, I know how it feels and I am here for you. When I am snarky, the snark is not about you. The snark is about the mindset and all the crap that is keeping you stuck, that is keeping you in pain. That's the stuff that pisses me off and that's the stuff that I'm going to get snarky about, okay? So when I get all dramatic, because I'm Italian and I'm an actress and I like to go into my little thing, so when I get all dramatic and, and do my little character voices and everything, again, it's not snark to you. I'm calling out the BS that is the mindset and all of the crap that's going on in the culture that is keeping you stuck and keeping you in pain. So there's this whole culture built into the recovery process because the recovery, the whole eating disorder recovery culture mindset process is flawed to begin with, all right? Because they they can't they can't even distinguish between healthy behavior and unhealthy behavior because they're still making it about the bleepity bleep 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 food and exercise. And there's only one way to make it not about the food and exercise, and that is to make it about your body. Your body knows how to create an optimized state of health, vitality, well-being, beauty, and joy. And your body is always guiding you in that direction. But you will never be able to fully hear or trust the wisdom and the impulses coming from your body if you are filtering every little impulse through the lens of that diet and exercise model, whether it's good food, bad food, high calorie, low calorie, blah, 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 whatever the BS is. All right. So we need to get back to this idea of eating disorders. There are two parts of an eating disorder. So that part where I was talking about, it's the same kind of thing with drug addiction or alcohol addiction or, or any of that kind of stuff where, you, where you've, got, you've got those issues that are making your life awful. You've got the childhood trauma. You've got the OCD. You've got the abuse. You've got the, the whatever it is that is making you reach out to cope, to use some external thing to cope with life. You've got that garbage going on. That stuff is real and that stuff needs to be healed and that stuff probably needs professional psychiatric help to deal with that. And that's not me. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not the psychiatrist. I'm not the medical doctor. I I I don't deal deal with that type of, of trauma and psychology and dysfunction. I know it exists. I've had it myself. I know it needs to be healed. Then there is this other piece. So when it comes to something like alcoholism or drug addiction, people say, oh, well, you heal this dysfunction that I alluded to that was the first piece. You heal this function. Well, yeah, then you don't need the drugs anymore. Then you don't need the alcohol anymore. You can go on and leave, live a free and happy life, right? Well, when it comes to eating disorders, the second piece is the food. You have to deal with the food and no one ever deals with the food and no one ever deals with the food successfully because even the eating disorder treatment people are operating from within the fundamental framework of the diet and exercise model. And that's why for a really, really long time, I would, I'd put the whole 
yeah, I had an eating disorder thing on the back burner because I feel like my my message and and what I want to share with the world is bigger than just the eating disorder audience. I mentioned in the first episode that um, the body image movement claims that 90% of women hate their body. And I don't know what the current stats are for eating disorders. Even if you just take, you know, 20%, I'm making up a number. Even if you just say 20% of women have an eating disorder, that's still a difference of 70%, right? So the reason it's so hard to heal from an eating disorder is because they've never addressed that second piece, that second piece that's dealing with the food. And that piece is the cultural diet and exercise model. That's why companies like Special K and companies like YoPlay or, or that, that's why the eating disorders um, association or whatever the, the, what would you call it? The, um, I don't even know what kind of advocacy group or whatever it is, gets all mad when, when a company like YoPlay or a company like Special K comes out with an ad that, oh, that's going to give people eating disorders because it's making them think in terms of diet and exercise. And I'm like, people, are you opening your eyes? The entire culture is based on this diet and exercise idea. This entire culture is based on the idea that you, to get your body to look a certain way, you just eat less, move more. And, and when you think about it from a dark comedy, really, really dysfunctional, dark place, you know, the problem, the quote unquote problem with someone who is anorexic is that they're just too darn good at doing the diet and exercise model. Now, again, I said, that's a dark comedy place. I've been there. I lived that. And that's really not what's happening. From, from the second piece, remember I say that there are two pieces of an eating disorder. Yes, from the second piece, that's what's happening. You're just too good at the diet and exercise model. But why are you too good at the diet and exercise model? That comes from the first piece where you are literally trying to kill yourself. And that that's just not good. That's just messed up. And, and that's the thing that needs to get healed, right? So what I'm trying to say here is that you can heal your mommy issues and your daddy issues until the cars cows come home. There, I can speak. You can heal your mommy issues and your daddy issues until the cows come home. You can clean up all of your intimacy issues. You can increase your self-esteem. You can think you're a badass. You can just have all the personal growth in the world. But if you have not dealt with that second piece that gets lumped in with the eating disorder piece, but it is a piece that 90% of women, according to body image movements, deal with, then you're gonna get stuck and you're never gonna be free. And then you get sucked into this recovery culture because, you know, I've, I've had this eating disorder and now, you know, it's just so hard for me to know how to step up for myself and feel good about myself and all of that crap. So when I'm circling back to this idea of, of diet culture, I think that diet culture is now in some circles a new soundbite. It's the new name for the diet and exercise model. They're like, um, because <laughs> you should see some of the comments I have on my Instagram accounts. Um, it's like, F diet culture and this and that and people that are are clearly in pain wrestling with with these ideas. Now, when I looked up diet culture, uh, online. Google said that it was the idea that thinness is more important than health or something like that, that that you're trying to attain um, 
thinness and a body image or a, a, a way that you wanted to look um, to the detriment of your personal health. And and if that is if that is how people are going to define it, great. But I think it I think that um especially like especially with how social media flies and things go viral and and there's so much chaos and there's so much noise in the current climate that that words can get twisted and people can start naming things and calling things that weren't the original intention. And so I'm I'm not really going to use the word diet culture because to me it makes no it's it's nonsense. It makes no sense at all because the entire the entire world is diet culture. The the entire world is the diet and exercise model. That's diet culture that you can control your body shape and size by controlling what you eat and what you do for exercise. That's that's what it is. And I hope you know by now because I've said it in two at least one episode already that yes, you can absolutely you are absolutely responsible for what you eat and you are absolutely responsible with for what you do for exercise. But the fact that you are responsible for what you eat and what you do for exercise does not mean that you can therefore control your weight, control your body, control your shape through diet and exercise. That is the fallacy. That's the fallacy right there that keeps you stuck. And that is the fallacy that that even the medical community, they don't really talk about it. They just kind of say, oh, well, you just kind of eat well. You just kind of eat right. You just kind of eat good food. And, you know, maybe they'll throw a nutritionist in there to tell you what quote unquote good foods are and how many how many calories are in each kind of food and how many calories you should have a day. And all of that information, even if it's good information, all of that is external information. It is not information coming from your body. And all, all of those things that they're trying to do in recovery to quote unquote heal an eating disorder are things that are actually going to perpetuate it. Because the way to heal an eating disorder is the way to heal anybody else's pain, shame, and drama around your body and your weight, even if you have not been diagnosed with an eating disorder. And that is to connect with your body in a deep, powerful way to cultivate and nurture and develop a relationship with your body. Heal your relationship with your body and everything else will fall into place. Your body knows what it needs. Now, I know that might seem kind of crazy. Like, what do you mean my body knows what it needs? Think about how miraculous your body is. You get a cut. You're in the kitchen and you cut cut yourself chopping up tomatoes or chopping up an apple, what happens? Your body immediately goes to work to heal that wound. Do you know how to heal that wound? No, your body does. Your body breathes and takes in oxygen from the air and then converts it into whatever metabolic processes it needs to keep your, your body functioning. Do you know how to do that? No, your body does though. Your body knows how to take food and break down the nutrients to use what it needs to use and then expel the rest. Your body knows how to do that. Your body can even create life itself. And your body sustains life. It sustains yourself. So 
whatever your particular bent is, you know, your your philosophical or your spiritual bent on the nature of the universe, there is electricity running through your body, whether it is the bioelectrical impulses that animate the human body or whether it is that that. Um, that God particle that they're looking for in physics, um, whatever it is, there is this energy of life force running through your body that is keeping you alive. Now, I'm going to bank on that. That thing's pretty smart. It's a lot smarter than some article you're going to read from some hack nutritionist or personal trainer or whatever that you're going to read in Dr. Oz magazine or whatever it is. Okay. Connect with your body. Cultivate a relationship with your body. When you do that, all of the drama falls away because all of the drama comes because the outside world is telling you, you need to disconnect from your body. All of the drama comes because you're trying to do some external thing. You're trying to do some diet. You're trying to do some exercise program. You're trying to do something to get some, you're trying to do something from an external source of information to get a result that you want when the key, the best shot you have at getting the result that you want is by connecting to the wisdom and guidance of your body. That's the thing that is going to heal you. That is the thing that is not only going to clean up all of the drama that you have around diet, exercise, food, good food, bad food, how many calories, how high was my heart rate, did I set my Fitbit on time so that my workout counted, and all that other BS. It's going to heal you from all of that. And then the best part about all of this is that it is sustainable because you are acting in concert with your highest good. You are coming from a place of your deepest desires, your deepest wisdom. When you are aligning with that and letting that guide your choices and your actions moment to moment, day to day, month to month, year to year, you stay connected to the wisdom and the guidance of your body. So you're always able to optimize the results because you're never working against yourself. So again, this, this mind, it's such a deep fundamental mindset shift that, that you know, yeah, you're going to have to. I'm sorry. You're just going to have to listen to these podcasts over and over and over and over again. And, and I'm going to try, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to keep to keep ideas sound and coherent so that there's, you know, a, an A to B to C that they sort of make some sort of sense. Um, but what I, I, it's literally like trying to pull you out of the matrix. Uh, unlike in the movie, once you're out of the matrix, you're out. But our matrix is the diet and exercise model, and it's just going to keep pulling you back in because that's what the culture is built around. That's what the diet and fitness and weight loss industries are built around. That's what people use in their marketing and media messaging that you're seeing a million times a day. That's our little social lubricant, especially in these 
these hot political, social, economic times, um, the safe thing to talk about is sports, the weather, and our diets. And so, you know, as a little social, you know, juju to help you get along with people, you talk about that stuff. And you're again, you're talking about it from within the context of the diet and exercise model. So when you're when you're coming at things from within that model, from within that context, you're always going to be stuck. Things you're always going to have that monkey in your on your back, and, and there's always going to be that little itch, that little itch that you can't scratch because they're going to tell you, "Oh, well, now your mommy issues and your daddy issues are all healed, so you shouldn't have any problem sticking to a diet. That you should just be happy. You should just be healthy." And and the whole thing is, is that of course you're not happy being on a diet because that's disconnecting you from one of the deepest, most important parts of yourself. So as I'm trying to eloquently come up with a way to wrap all of this stuff up, because I think, you know, I've waxed philosophical enough on this topic for a while, um, I'm going to end with this. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you the five steps. It's episode three. And, and again, I told you the intention of these podcasts. The intention of these podcasts is for me to speak my truth. When I see something, when I when you see something, say something. And and most of the time, what I'm saying is hard to grok, hard to wrap your head around because because it's it's playing a different game. And so I'm trying to teach you how to play a different game so that what I am saying makes sense. And so just so that, you know, you don't feel like I'm holding back or anything like that, we're going to end with the five steps of the happy calories, don't count method. You know, you don't have to pay me for them. They're, yeah, yes, I have personal clients. Yes, I do coaching. Yes, I've written books. But there's so, so many free things out there. I've got, you know, the YouTube channel, the blogs, the, the podcast, everything. Um, this is just to help you heal. Okay, so the very first step that you need to do is get out of diet drama land. Just get out of the matrix. Stop thinking in terms of diet and exercise. And I know that's hard to do. I mean, I just spent 30, 38 minutes talking about that. Like, that's the thing that even the medical community keeps you stuck in eating disorder recovery culture um, because they never address diet culture, which in my, yeah, I guess the diet and exercise model is diet culture. All right. So stop thinking in terms of diet and exercise. Now, the human mind abhors a vacuum. So if I don't give you something else to think about instead of the diet and exercise, eat less, move more, have to pay a price to eat way of thinking, you're just going to go back to thinking that because that's the default. That's what you know. That's what's reinforced in the culture. So instead, step one is going to say, embrace a model of alignment. And what that means is that means make sure your thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and actions are congruent. Okay. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that on a completely different episode. Make sure your thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and actions are congruent. That's what I'm saying so that you can think about that instead of thinking in terms of diet and exercise. Because step two is to connect with your body. And as I've at least alluded to, if not in this episode, in previous episodes, you cannot connect to your body and trust its impulses if you're filtering every message 
through that diet and exercise lens. So you've got to connect with your body. You've got to ditch the diet drama, get out of diet and exercise thinking, make sure your thoughts, feelings, beliefs, and actions are congruent. That's how you do that. Instead of thinking of diet and exercise, think about making your thoughts, beliefs, feelings, and actions congruent. Then you can connect with your body. That's step two. Step three is enjoy your food. Because why wouldn't you enjoy your food? You only wouldn't enjoy your food if you thought you had to pay a price for it. If you thought you'd have to make up for it later. Or, or if you legitimately didn't like what you were eating, but you had to eat it because some stupid diet told you you had to, right? And being on a diet, by definition, is disconnecting yourself from your body because you're doing what something else tells you to do rather than what your body's telling you to do. Step four is to connect with and tune your body every day through physical activity. Exercise daily to connect with and tune your body. And again, this is not a backdoor into the diet and exercise model. This is a relationship-based model. We are developing a relationship with your body. Exercise has absolutely nothing at all to do with burning calories or losing weight. Exercise is a way for you to cultivate that relationship with your body, for you to feel what it feels like when your heart rate goes up, to feel what it feels like when your heart rate comes back down, to feel what it feels like to work a muscle and to stretch a muscle, to feel what it feels like when you are embodied. And the best part of being embodied is that you know instinctively what to eat, how much to eat, and when. And step five is called clear the channel. It's called clear the channel because uh, in this model of alignment that I am telling you to do, there is a visual representation of it. It looks like five rings stacked on top of each other so that energy can flow through it. And it's... It, Probably doesn't make any sense just verbally from a podcast perspective, but you again, you can look online. I've got pictures of it on my website. I've got pictures of it in the in food is not a four letter word specifically. There are lots of pictures of it. Um, I've got pictures of it uh, in lots of various videos on my YouTube channel. So just just take a piece of paper, draw five circles on top of each other, label one thoughts, feelings, beliefs, food and exercise, draw a line through the middle. That's the model of alignment. And clear the channel is called clear the channel because of the illustration of that. Just it matches that. The idea being that this is where personal growth and those uh, spiritual tools come into play. You know, personal growth is not about learning how to manage your emotions so that you don't eat a cookie when you're angry. That's diet drama thinking. That's stupid. Personal growth is learning how to manage your emotions so that a bad day does not interfere with the relationship you have with your body. The cookie is irrelevant. It's just like how you would use personal growth so that when you have a really crappy day at work, you don't come home and take it out on your family during dinner because that's going to create a really unhappy family environment, right? So you're going to do your work and you're going to own your stuff and you're going to clear your stuff and you're going to work it out so that when you get home, you have pleasant family time, whatever that looks like. So clearing the channel is about using all of those skills and tools to deal with life in such a way that the challenges that life brings you does not interfere with the relationship you have with your body. You deal with them 
and then you have a nice relationship with your body and the cookie is irrelevant. Eat the cookie or not. It's not about the cookie. It's about your relationship with your body. So those are the five steps of the happy calories don't count method. We do them all the time, all together. It's not, it, it's not sequential. It's not step one, forget about it. Step two, forget about it. No, it's concurrent. You do all five all the time. And that is what's going to help you find the freedom, peace, joy, the grace you're looking for in your life, and actually help you create an optimized state of health, vitality, well-being, beauty, and joy, whatever that looks like for you, whatever your body needs you to be. And believe me, your body, your body, more likely than not, wants to look like you want it to look like. You know, there, there's this fear out there that, oh my goodness, if I just relax and trust my body to let it do whatever it's going to do, I, I blow up to 300 pounds. And I was like, no, you wouldn't. Have you been 300 pounds? I mean, it's hard work. It's hard to move that, that much weight around. It's hard to go upstairs. It's hard to physically navigate life in that type of vehicle. Your body wants to be optimized. Your body wants to feel good. Your body needs you as much as you need it, and everything you do affects your body. So why would your body give you an impulse to do anything that wouldn't contribute to your and its highest and greatest good? It simply wouldn't. So I will let you noodle on that for now, and I will see you in the next episode. Take care. If you enjoyed this program, help it out. Give it a like, subscribe, follow, share. You know the drill. If you want to learn more about me, my books, programs, and services, visit my website, carmelaramalia.com. And don't worry, if you can't spell my name, you can also always find me at happycalories.com. Take care. Take care.